0: Well, good morning. I'm so thankful I get to be with you today. Uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter one. And as you do, um, I don't know if you're like me, but have you noticed that that happiness is um, is one of those things that continues to be outside of our grasp? Have you seen that in your own life or in people that are around you? You know, I've I've been around people that um, in my life who. Uh, I've known guys that could buy anything they wanted, and uh, they could, uh, you know, finances was no object. And so, so many of us go, "Man, if I was just there, that'd be so awesome." But, but the reality is that 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 didn't satisfy. I've been around people that have won state championships. And yeah, in the moment, it was so amazing and to accomplish this uh, last second hit or, or a last second shot or a last second score or touchdown. And, and yeah, it was amazing and it was fun, but it didn't last. You know, I've had uh, I've known guys that have been won the national championship. Uh, one of my students played for OU in 2000 and won the national championship. And yet it didn't last. I've I've been around guys that have been drafted, gotten that call, and we want you. But it didn't last. And you know, happiness seems to be this this thing that's just right outside of our grasp. And 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 you know, the word happiness comes from that idea of happenstance. That's where the word comes from. Happenstance, which which basically describes uh, this this idea that, that it's 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 this this emotion based on circumstances. And, and circumstances, the problem with that, is circumstances change. You know, there, there's not one circumstance that, that will satisfy you all through your life. And, and, and when you think about what the Bible teaches, it, it leads us to Joy. Now joy is different than, than happiness. Joy is, is much deeper. Joy is this confident assurance even in the midst of a storm. Like, like when you face difficulty, joy is this, this, this gift of God. And and this is what makes the Bible so sweet because God's word speaks about the joy that God brings that, that, that goes above the circumstances in our lives. and, and, And I want us to understand that that the book of Philippians is this incredible book about joy. And Paul is writing this, and and we've looked at this a little bit, that that Paul was writing this from prison. And when you think about Paul's life, um, he he shows us, he models this, this fact that life doesn't have to be perfect to have joy. Life doesn't have to be uh, without problems because the reality is problems are, are, are going to come to all of us. None of us are going to live a problem-free life. And in the midst of, of this book that, that Paul writes, all through it, you hear him say things like rejoice. And, and, and we've got to understand where he's writing this from. You've got to understand what Paul has gone through. Like when he writes the book of Philippians, uh, he, is, he is just coming off of, he, he's in the middle of a prison sentence that's been four years in the making. Now, now think about what Paul went through. You know, um, for two years, he was imprisoned in Caesarea for no crime. I mean, no, he didn't do anything wrong. But he was thrown in prison in Caesarea. Then he's put on a ship. And, and 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 if I ever went through this, I'd be gone because the ocean just kind of freaks me out, okay? He's on the ship in the ocean and they shipwreck. And, and so he's he's shipwrecked out in the middle of the ocean, and he makes it to an island, and it's it's crazy, and then he goes to this island, he gets bitten by a poisonous snake. Okay, bummer time, okay? He is uh, goes to winter in, in in this island, and then he goes to Rome, spends another two years in prison. He's awaiting a trial. Um, during this time in prison, he's chained to a guard 24 hours a day. So this is not like, oh, this is a little vacation home for him. This is a, a really, he has no privacy. He has no, um, it, it, he's in prison, and it was unjust, But but yet, um, he every four hours we know about this that, that Paul is likely getting a new guard chained to him every four hours. But yet he writes this book, and all throughout, he's like, I rejoice. And, and it's interesting to me that, that you look at, at Paul, Paul's life, and how God inspired him, how how he writes this letter to the, the Philippians, and it's full of joy. And, and, and I'm thinking to myself, what is Paul's secret? How can he stay in prison for so long, face difficulty after difficulty? I mean, because it's relentless; it's not letting up on him. But yet, he he rejoices. Every Bible. Let's look at Philippians chapter one. We're going to start in verse twelve. And would you stand with me, as we as our practice, we 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 stand in honor of God's word, but. Uh, but I want us to look at this. I want you to notice his attitude today as we read 12, verse 12 through 26 in, in chapter 1. And we've got to remember that as Paul writes this, if you look at the circumstances in his life, everything is caving in. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like that, that in my life, everything's just caving in? But look what he writes, verse 12. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed But that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means means fruitful labor, labor for me. Yet, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. Thank you. you, may be seated. Now, now this blows me away. I mean, when you, and, and this is why it's important to understand the context of Scripture. You've got to understand what Paul was going through. So often we read the Bible with, with just our 2018 world in view. And when you, to really understand the scripture, you've got to look and see the context. And we've looked at this on Wednesday night in our class, and, um, and you can get that online. I hope you, you do. But, but, but when you think about, about Paul here, he, he's showing us the, these essentials to a joyful life. I mean, look back at verse 12. Let's unpack this a little bit. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, I mean, what Paul's saying here is that, that I, I see God at work in my circumstances even when things don't go my way. And this is important for us to, to recognize that, 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 you know, sometimes our, we're, we're so fickle in our faith. If, if our circumstances are bad, we think, oh, no, man, this is terrible. God, you don't love me and you're not with me and, and blah, blah, blah. And, and Paul had grown to this point that says, hey, look, regardless of my circumstances, God is faithful. And, and this is why it is important for us to grow up in our faith. And this is why we can't stay immature believers, that we've got to grow up in our faith and understand that God is at work regardless of our circumstances. And, and God uses our circumstances, good and bad. And, and, and it's interesting because Paul's been in prison for four years. How can this be beneficial? How, I mean, how in the world can, can this be a, a good thing? But look what he says, Verse 13 so it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to the, all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Now, it's, it, it, this is cool because um, there were 9,000 soldiers that were a part of the imperial guard. That, that is the, the, the guards that go next to the emperor. I mean, these are the elite group. And, um, and Paul, th- these are the guys that are likely guarding Paul. And and it's interesting that, that they, they they retire after twelve years. That that's kind of their journey. And and um and and when I look at what God is doing, that this is this is an unbelievable strategy of the Lord, because He puts Paul in prison with these imperial guards. They're chained to the guy, and and they're stuck next to Paul. They got to guard him. And at, what what does Paul do when 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 he's Connected to these guys, chained to these guys. He doesn't spit at them. He doesn't gripe at them. He's not yelling at them. What's he doing? He's, he's ministering to them. And look at what's happening is, is word starts shift. I mean, think about this. He's, he's been in two years in this place, and, and, and Paul could have potentially witnessed to over 4,000 guards. I mean, think about that. They're stuck with him. And so what what is happening is Paul says, look, word is traveling throughout the entire imperial guard about Christ. And this is amazing. Verse 14, and, and then he says, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Now now to me, this is um, the persecution dilemma. As I, as I look at this, I, I, I think about this is such a dilemma for me, because here is Paul being imprisoned unjustly for his faith, and what happens? All the people that the brothers, most of the brothers that hear about this, are, are getting more bold in their faith. Now, this doesn't make sense to us in our American context because we like comfort, and we are drawn to comfort. But, but there, there's a, uh, we have a church member who's running for Congress uh, coming up, and, and Andy Coleman is the bravest believer I've ever met because he was, uh, he was formerly a voice of the martyrs over the Middle East. And, and man, just talk about some of the craziest things um, experiences as he went and ministered to the persecuted church in the Middle East. Like he would come to me when he was working there and said, hey, man, pray for me. I, I, you can't tell anybody where I'm going, but, man, I'm going to this part of the world, and, and it's really dangerous, and, but I'm going to minister to the persecuted church. And, and, and you know, I've, I've gotten to rub shoulders with some of these, these folks, and, and I want you to know about Iran, for example. We look at Iran as, as those are our enemies. That's our enemy over there. But do you know that the church is exploding in Iran? So you know what that means? That means we have brothers and sisters in Christ that are Iranian. So we got to be careful that we don't look at all of them as, oh, there's our enemies over there. No, we have brothers there. And you know what? Uh, I was hanging out with some of those Voice of the Martyrs, uh, this guy from Iran, and he said, you know what, you know what some of the Christians in Iran are praying for, for us? For, for persecution to come our way. Because it's interesting, it's this dilemma that when, the, all through history this is true, when the church has been persecuted, the church grows. When the church gets in power and, and we become the, the, the leaders, what happens? The church declines. And this is not just, this is, this is church history since the beginning. And what's interesting to me is Paul writes this. He goes, look, even though I'm in prison, um, that, that they're becoming more bold to preach the gospel. So when I look at our culture and I feel some growing pressure, and we, we, we probably all feel that way as believers, as those that follow Jesus, we should be encouraged. Because what happens all through history when the church faces persecution and when the church is squeezed, what happens is the church becomes more effective with the gospel. And that's that's just interesting. Now, how did Paul develop this attitude? I mean, how did Paul do this? How did he he look at his circumstances of this unjust imprisonment and, and really look at this through the, the, the idea that, God, you're at work, and you're powerfully moving, and I'm rejoicing. Because I would guess that, that most of us, when, we're, when everything's caving in around us, our natural reaction is not to go, all right, thank you, Lord, for this. But can I tell you, for a mature believer, that's where we should be. As we grow up in our faith, we, we can be. Now, point number one today is this, and we see this all through this text and all through Paul's writings, is, is um, train yourself to trust God all the time. Now, now, let's hear that. Train yourself to trust God all the time. And, and see, it's, it's, it's in those moments of, of, of trial when we learn, God, you can be trusted I mean, I look back at at, at um, in my office. If you ever come to my office, you'll see my 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 wall, my ambassador wall, which is a, the greatest trial I've ever faced in my life. I won't go into the story right now because I feel like I do it every week. But um, but I look at that across from my desk, and it reminds me, God, you can be trusted. And and see, as believers, as followers of Christ, we've got to train ourselves to trust the Lord all the time. Paul wrote in in 1 Timothy 4, 7, and 8. Look at this verse. I've got it on the screen behind me. He writes, have nothing to do with irreverent, irreverent myths or silly myths. Look at this. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Now, think about this. So sometimes we come to church and go, I want my pastor to train me. And you know what? I, I ought to be getting up and preaching the word, okay? I, I, I don't need to be getting up and, and sharing philosophy or my greatest Chris Wall tips. That's going to fall real short for you in your life. That's not going to take you very far. But, but, but notice this. Paul says you're to train yourself to be godly. You know, I've heard those people come to me, oh, you know, my, my pastor's just not deep enough. Well, if you ever get to that point where I'm not deep enough, then, then start, start go witness to somebody. Because you'll realize, oh man, wait, this is scary. I need, I need some more help. Um, but, but the truth is, you're, we're to train ourselves to be godly. Paul says, look at this. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Now, we we see Paul living this out just as i think about training ourselves to be godly or or tr- training ourselves to trust the lord all the time the challenges we challenges we face provide the greatest opportunities to advance the gospel and so I, this is important for us to recognize that 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 when you face challenges in your life that is a great opportunity to see the gospel advance and so let's keep that in mind when things are caving in let's keep that in mind when when life is Throwing some curveballs at us that are really hard to hit. And let's keep this in mind that challenges provide the greatest opportunities for the gospel to advance. And, and, when I, and, and here's another thing you see in Paul. He, 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 he recognizes this, that these challenges that he's going through, this is great because the gospel is advancing. But you know what else he does? He accepts God's assignment. Now, this is important. Sometimes we, we, we have a race to run. You have a race to run. And we want, we sometimes look at other people and say, man, I wish I could run your race. But the reality is God has called you to run a race. And it's important for us to say, God, I will accept the assignment that you give me. And, and Paul does this. You know, Joyfulness is not always determined by what happens to us, but by how we interpret what happens to us. You know, sometimes we don't interpret this well. And and you think about how can Paul, um, staying in prison for four years, how can this be beneficial? You know, but we got to realize that because of Paul's pain, because of his imprisonment, there are people that heard the gospel that would have never heard the gospel. That because Paul was being courageous, others were following his lead. Others were saying, man, Paul, man, you're you're faithful in this trial. I can too. This is the influence we have as as believers. This is why when, when you walk with the Lord in trial, people are inspired. And people learn to trust the Lord. You know, because Paul was in prison, you know what else is true? His imprisonment provided some time for him to write these letters. We have these letters because Paul was sitting there. He was like i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm gonna take advantage of this moment. sometimes in our trials there there's a there, God has a plan in this first second corinthians four seventeen and eighteen for this light and momentary affliction, listen to this is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to things that are unseen. Now think about this so often when we're in dire circumstances we look to what is seen but but as we grow up spiritually what do we learn what do we start doing we start looking to the things that are unseen this is important for the things that are seen are transient are temporary but the things that are unseen are eternal let's let's recognize this that that these these challenges that we've walked through together And and man, we need the church. We need one another because we can't walk through the battle with cancer alone. We can't walk through that. We we can't walk through the the health issues that we face with our children. We we can't walk through the, the questions of raising our kids. We can't walk through the mistakes we make by ourselves. My prayer is that we... Learn to, we train ourselves to trust the Lord all the time. Look, look at verse 15. Uh, some indeed, he, Paul writes, some indeed preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim it out of selfish ambition, not sincerely but thinking to afflict me in my prison, imprisonment. Now, what's interesting about this statement right here, verse, verses 15 through, through 17, is, is not only is Paul in prison unjustly and the Romans and, and these leaders are treating him unjustly, he's being kicked by some of those that are brothers in Christ. Okay, think about that. And we don't know the whole circumstance, but, but has that ever happened to you? You feel like, golly, man! I'm here. I am uh, going through a trial, and 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 then, you know, it's just like uh, one of my dear friends, Jeremy Freeman, who is pastor at First Baptist Newcastle, when his son got cancer. He has another son that is had an accident, has a brain injury. There's some people who said, "Oh, it's because of sin in your life." That's so stupid. Uh, can I say that in church? Yeah, I can. That's stupid. To have that idea that, 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 look, life is full of trials. But but see, I don't want us to miss that God walks us through the chaos in our lives. And that's the miracle. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of how Christ gives us strength in the midst of our difficulties. And, and, you know, you see that, that there's conflict in the church here. That, that Paul's like, hey, there's, some people are coming against me. And guess what? There are times we're going to face conflict. We're going we're gonna to make each other mad. You know, that's part of family. You know, we're, we're family. You know, one of the things, the longer we're together, uh, we'll offend one another. Right? And guess what? We have plenty of opportunities to forgive one another. And we should. And we should work through this conflict. We don't know all the details about this conflict, but, but that's just part of life. So if you're mad at somebody and that's a brother or a sister in Christ, let's deal with it. Let's work it out. Because life's too short to, to hold on to silly conflicts and forgiving one another like we have been forgiven is the mark of being a believer. That because we know forgiveness, we are quick to offer forgiveness. Now look at verse 18. This is so amazing. Paul writes, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. So in the midst of the conflict, Paul's like, hey, you know what? Um, they, they're, they're coming against me. They, they think maybe I caused this. Look, they're preaching Christ, I'm preaching Christ. Here, here's the point. Point number two is this. Pointing people to Christ is more important than personal comfort. And that's what Paul is saying here. Here he's living this out, that, that the, the fact that the gospel is being proclaimed, that's more important than my comfort. Now, it just blows me away. And here's what I want us to keep in view and in mind here is that, that the gospel being proclaimed is more important than our personal needs. So, so, when you go through a trial, when I face difficulty, that the gospel being known in my family, in my community, in the world is more important than my personal needs. and this is what it means to be a believer. Now think about this we we, we, in, a, we in the United States are so very comfortable, and, and we we live for this comfort. And can I tell you we should I'm grateful that the Lord is moving us to a less comfortable spot because we've got to understand that the gospel being proclaimed my children watching me trust the Lord is bigger than my own personal needs the gospel being proclaimed is more important than personal conflicts and Paul's teaching us that here that hey, I gotta put my conflicts aside here. I gotta put my anger aside. I gotta put my frustration aside. And and we don't know the details of what these people are are arguing with him about or what they're saying to him. But you know what he does? He's like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna put that aside because what's most important is that the gospel is proclaimed. And and and, and this is why I believe this, it it honors the Lord. To keep the gospel challenge as the main goal of our church. You know, our gospel challenge this year in, in 2018. That, that, that we're we're to we're challenging our church and, and and everyone in our church to share the gospel with as many people as your age. And and you know, I've had some people say, hey, oh, you know, let's not be legalistic about it. And I I get that, but but count. You know, men, it's Thursday night. We're 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 bringing Cody Bobe and he's going to share the gospel. This would count. Get get five guys. Knock five off your list. This week, come hear the gospel. Look, see the the gospel being proclaimed must be the main priority of our lives. And, and I love Romans 10, 14 and 15. How, w- how then will they call on him whom they've not believed? And how are they to believe on him whom they have not, never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who, bring, who preach the good news. And this is what I pray, that we are a church full of people that are saying, God, we'll be faithful to take the good news to the world. Now look at verse 19. Paul goes on and he says, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that this will turn out for my deliverance. And there's a lot to unpack there, but but you know, the the idea that, that you're praying for me. There's power when God's people pray. This is why we need to know one another and, and be in one another's lives. And, and the spirit of Jesus, he he helps us. The Holy Spirit guides us and strengthens us. And what a beautiful picture that Paul says. Look, look at verse 20. As it is, my eager expectation and hope that, <clears throat> that I will... Not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. He's like, look, if, I'm, if I go to be with, if I, if I die in this imprisonment, then you know what? God's going to be honored. If if I get out, God's going to be honored. And then verse 21, look at verse 21, underline verse 21 in your Bible, memorize verse 21. He says this, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain well, let's hear that again for me to live is Christ and to die is gain I, I, I've been thinking all week God, do I believe that do I believe that, that, that sure to live is Christ yes we, we, we push one another to, to live as Christ to, to push one another to walk with Christ sure But when I face death, do I really believe that to die is gain? See, that's what an unbelieving world can't grab a hold of. You know, it's interesting. He goes on. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. You know, how would you fill in the blank? How would you fill in this blank? For me to live is blank. For me to live is my possessions. For me to live is my power. For, for me to live is my my pleasure. For me to live is my comfort. That, that's my comfort. That's that's what it that, that's how I define my living. But see, none of those things bring long-term joy. None of those things bring fulfillment. And this is why we, without apology, want to spur one another on towards love and good deeds, and we want to push one another to trust the Lord and to live for Christ and not live for ourselves. It's like what I learned years ago in youth ministry as we got exposed to Kanakuk of, of, of the I'm third principle of, of Christ first, others second, yourself third. And, and see, the reality is, Paul is, is, is teaching us something. God is teaching us something significant through Paul. Look at verse 25. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. And see, what you see Paul fleshing out here is something really important. And I want you to see point number three. And I pray we hear it. You see, most people make the huge mistake of just living for today. They live for today. That's why that commercial's so funny on, on the Olympics, if you've been watching it. of, of, of the, It's got the little uh, lifeguards running down the, the, the beach. And then you got the real old guy that has that a shirt on, his belly's bouncing. And it's like, yeah, I didn't save for retirement, right? You see that commercial? It cracks me up. The old lady and she's like, you know, and um, that's pretty good. Beatbox, did you like that? Um, but so many people don't think about the end. And point number three is very important. Live every day with the end in mind. Well, why don't we live with the end in mind? I'm, I'm blown away at the, at the way that people I connect with and I, that I love and that I know don't think about the day that it's going to end. They don't want to face that. And see, what is Paul doing here? He is a man that lives with the end in mind. He says, to live is Christ. To die is gain. I understand the ending of this. I understand what the Bible says about this. And, and this is very important. You know, this week is, is a challenging week. Because um, just a Friday... Shane Hall passed away. Shane Hall is, well, I graduated with Shane at OBU. And Shane was a man, such a great leader. On November 20 something, I went and preached at his church. He called me and said, Hey, would you, would you come and just end our Wednesday night gathering? Shane is the pastor at First Southern Baptist Church in Dell City. And I've known him since college deeply respected him since college. He got stomach cancer several years ago and he died on Friday. And today, First Southern Dell City is gathering in worship. And their pastor died. And they walked with him and loved him through this journey. And you know, as 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 I kept dealing with my own sadness about my friend... I kept coming back to this verse: to live as Christ, and to die as gain. I mean, I mean, Shane went to be at the Lord, and and, and so I, I think it's important for us, for, for me, it's it's right in my face this week because on Wednesday, at 10, uh, one, one interesting important fact about Shane: do you know that Shane? Um, Used to be the pastor at Calvary Baptist Church. He pastored there for five years. And it was about three pastorships ago. He was, he was younger, coming out of OBU. Goes to Calvary Baptist Church in Tulsa. You know what I'm grateful for? I'm grateful that, that we as a church get to carry on a legacy of my friend. That pastored and shepherded Calvary Baptist Church. Now we have merged with them. And, and this morning Rob Lewis is gonna get up and preach at Calvary Baptist Church this same passage to live as Christ and to die as gain. You know, here's here's the reality, Second Corinthians 5.10, a, a, a passage for every believer. This is for believers, right? This is for Christians. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due him for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil, that all of us, every believer, will stand before the Lord. And, and this isn't the judgment of our sin. Are we going to heaven or not? No, as a believer, that is, that's settled. Christ has saved us. But don't be mistaken. We, will, we are responsible with the way we live. We're going to see that through the book of Philippians, especially next week as we get to verse 27. We're going to camp in verse 27 next week. But so can I just plead with you and challenge you with three things real quick? I want you to write these down. Um, live with the end in mind what does that look like well stop neglecting your spiritual life and start seeking the Lord can I just get in front of you today and say stop stop neglecting your spiritual life and start seeking the Lord I mean I mean it's time to start seeking him again it's time to stop neglecting the spiritual life. Men, why, why, why we're doing this thing with Cody Bobe? Because so many men, they, they delegate the spiritual life to their wives or to somebody else. And men, it's time for you to be a spiritual leader in your home. Stop neglecting your spiritual life and start seeking the Lord. Stop making excuses and start serving the Lord. You know, we make so many excuses sometimes. Oh, you know what? I got this habit I can't break. And, and you know, get accountability. Let, let's stop making excuses. I know a lot of people that want to walk with the Lord, they just make so many excuses that they don't allow themselves to. Stop making excuses and start serving the Lord. Stop living for what won't last and start investing in eternity. Stop, stop doing that. It's time to start some things. It's time to stop some things and so we can start some things. You know, I'm blown away at how God has moved so powerfully in the world, so powerfully in front of us, so powerfully in our lives and yet we still don't live with the end in mind. That's why I'm so grateful I got to rub shoulders with Justin Sullivan this 18-year-old kid who didn't live very long, but this kid that I taught every week in my student ministry became one of the greatest teachers in my life. And on March 19th, 2002, just a few months before he died, he wrote in his journal, there will come a day when we will all see God face to face. This is when we will understand things fully when God asks me to believe something that's beyond belief, I decide if I will trust my five senses or have enough sense to believe in him. Man, do you trust Jesus today? We're gonna have an invitation. Man, Philippians refocuses our lives. So, how has God spoken to you today? You know, there's a reason I want you to stand right where you are. There's a reason I, I I I can't sit when we worship the Lord. I I find it hard to do that because when when I find it hard to stay still when God's word is preached. Because when God's word is preached and when when we sing about our relationship with the Lord, it moves me to act and move and, and I just can't stay still. Would you not stay still today? Would you come to the Lord? Would you come to Jesus today? Maybe you don't know Christ as your Savior. And don't go one more day without knowing him as Lord and Savior. Let's start following him. (laughs)